in a world where the best valentines are delivered by owl, this is the News Nest. Hello, Owlies. This is Sparrow. Welcome to the 10th episode of the News Nest. Um, this episode is all about Valentine's Day. Happy late Valentine's Day. Yeah, Valentine's Day was yesterday. And um, yesterday's big news was the Tuck Valentine's Day Swap Reveal Day. I was lurking in the thread all day and I saw some absolutely amazing packages. Everyone did a fantastic job spoiling their secret um, <laughs> admiree, I guess. Um, everybody did a great job with the Valentine's Day packages. I was blown away. Um, I'm very sad that I couldn't participate in this one because you guys made away with some good stuff. <laughs> um, and it was very, very fun. So thank you very much to Rista1313 and anyone who helped her. I know Lanair helped her match people up in the very beginning. So thank you to Lanair and anyone who I don't know about, I'm very sorry. Um, thank you everyone who helped put it on. And this week there's not a, a whole ton of news. Um, it wasn't a very busy week around Talkland at all. Uh, the, the Valentine's Day swap really was about it. Um, I do want to say congratulations to Knitting Duckling. Um, and Ellie, who got married a few weeks back on a Friday. I'm so sorry that I missed it. Um, she announced it in the FPF thread, and I don't, I, I try my best to keep up with every single thread in the talk group, which is extremely difficult. And uh, the FPF is one that I just don't even bother to try. I usually just skim through and find out who won, and that's pretty much it. So I'm very sorry that I missed that. But congratulations on getting married. That's awesome. And this week in FPF, uh, the winner, we only had one winner this week. It was Sanguine. And, you know, I was just, um, I just realized a few days ago, I've always said Sanguine. And um, it's I've asked other people who live near me, like in, in my state that I live in, how to pronounce that word. And they've said Sanguine. But I was watching TV a few days ago and someone pronounced it Sanguine. So I just realized that I'm probably mispronouncing that word terribly. I'm so sorry if your name is actually pronounced Sanguine. I do apologize. I think that's probably just a regional dialect difference. <laughs> my horrible accent coming out. I try really hard to hide my accent when I'm on doing the news nest because I don't want you guys to think I'm some sort of redneck. But <laughs> um, secrets out, guys. I am. <laughs> so congratulations, Sanguine or Sanguine, however you say your name. <laughs> for winning FPF and uh, we look forward to seeing everyone back next week for next week's FPF. And now for this week's quest clue. It's actually not a riddle. It is uh, just a task this week, but we do have a nice little story. So here we go. Dawn was breaking. The dwarf and a djinn sat by the fire, tired after much dancing, holding a cup of coffee. The party had stayed up late last night, discussing the riddle, drinking, dancing, and eating baklava. The dwarf had arrived late after spending most of the day carving a new door for the manor house. The old man told him just repair the broken parts, but that would not do for the dwarf, and instead he made a whole new door, featuring all the creatures that were taking part in the quest. He then joined the others and tried to make up the time he lost in drinking twice as fast and three times as much as everyone else. 
Now he had the worst hangover in his life, and he would have given a kingdom to the jinn for. <clears throat> he would have given a kingdom for the jinn to stop jabbering, if only for a minute or so. The jinn had only joined the party recently. He had been summoned by one of the wizards in the council and sent to help the questers, but the dwarf wasn't sure he would be of any help. The jinn just talked and talked about how he helped to build the walls of Jericho, or how he helped play a crucial role in the falling down of Cartago. Who cares, the dwarf sighed. The feathered lady came out of her tent, yawning. Still up, little man, she asked with the cheek of her noise. Oh, shut up. I would have slept, but I woke up because your bloody bird cousins won't stop making noise. Why don't you go and make yourself useful and tell them to shut up? They are making my head explode. There, there, the feathered lady answered while pouring herself a cup of coffee and sitting down. Ha, the jinn said. That reminds me of how my head felt after we had the encounter with the beekeeper's bees. We were there to ask her to hand out one of her maps. The Sultana of Cordoba wanted to get a map to lead her to the mirror of the living and dead. Ever heard of that one? The feathered lady shook her head tiredly, while the dwarf mumbled something incomprehensible into his beard. The jinn continued nevertheless. It's a mirror that allows you to communicate with the dead. She wanted to talk to her deceased husband. She needed him to get to tell her how to open the door to the treasury. He was a secretive guy and left 13 wives and 69 children without access to the state's treasury when he died one day. Choked himself on a date. The gin chuckled. Anyway, there was this lady. She's a beekeeper, see, but she's also the keeper of the maps. It was quite a task to find her. We had been looking for ages. We were five gins when we started, but we lost three of them. So in the end, it was only the two of us. We found that weird forest. It was full of strong-smelling flowers that would obscure your senses. My nose, you know, is pretty delicate. The jinn made a short pause and looked up as if hoping to be pitied by the audience. But the feathered lady just glanced into the fire, and the dwarf ground his teeth. So we walked through the damn forest all day long, the jinn continued, when suddenly the dwarf intervened in his typically blunt way. Shut up, you bloody jinn, or I will smash your delicate nose right into something the bloody dog left behind. The jinn, the jinn twisted face into indignation, but the feathered lady suddenly looked up. Wait, she said. Did you say violets? The jinn nodded. A wood full of violets, right? A voice came from behind them. Nobody had realized the elf standing behind them, and everybody startled when he spoke. We did discuss violets yesterday, the elf continued. The feathered lady thought aloud. And that beekeeper, map keeper, could it be? What happened next, the elf urged the jinn continue. With a side glance at the dwarf, the jinn started talking again. Well, we found her at her place, all right. It was not that difficult. We just waited until the sun went down and followed her bees back to their hive. The beekeeper was there. We asked her about the map, and she told us to fulfill a task. If we succeed sufficiently, she would hand over the map. The jinn fell silent. The dwarf grumbled. Well, now that you're telling something we actually want to hear, you ran out of words. Go on talking. The jinn sighed and continued briskly. Well... I don't like talking about this. We failed terribly. She sicked the bees on us. We got stung like a billion times. Luckily, we are jinn. Otherwise, we might have died. 
That way it just gave us the most horrible headache of my life. The dwarf grumbled sympathetically. The jinn fell silent, and so did the rest of the group. After a while, the feathered lady spoke. But a map. We are looking for a key, no? The elf nodded. But still, maybe she also has keys. Or maybe she has a map leading to the key. It might be worth a try, no? Later that day, the members of the quest party discussed everything the jinn had told. After some back-and-forth debate, they decided to give it a try. The only clue we've got so far, isn't it? The hare said, and the others agreed. They asked the jinn if, if he could lead them to the place, and he told them he would try. It only took them a day and a half to arrive at the forest, and then they got lost. For four long days, they kept wandering through the forest. You're sure that's the right place? The hare asked the jinn. I am quite sure it is, but it's winter now, see? No flowers, no beads to guide us. Well, maybe I have an idea, the owl said. Why don't you take a break, and we winged creatures go flying higher up, over the woods, to see if we see some smoke somewhere. Everybody agreed, and they sat down, made a fire, and started to chop up some vegetables for a warming soup. Not too much time went by when a sparrow came hurrying back. We found something, it twittered excitedly. There is smoke and a chimney. I think it's it. Everyone was relieved. Finally, something seemed to happen. They waited for the other birds to return, took their time to finish the soup and turn out the fire, and then started off to the direction the sparrow had suggested. Even if it's not the beekeeper's house, it might be the house of somebody who knows something about her all right, the feathered lady said. When they arrived after another two hours of walking, it was indeed the house of the beekeeper. Beehives surrounded the clearing. On one end, the windows reflected the last shafts of sunlight that penetrated the leafless trees. There stood a house made of wood. Flowers were carved into the wood, and the window shutters were painted in bright red and green and yellow and blue. The party stopped, a bit unsure how to proceed, when the door opened and a plump little woman in a long dress wrapped in shawls entered the porch. Well, she said, you came faster than I thought you would. Why don't you come in? The jinn looked nervous, turned around and hid somewhere out of sight. The other members of the quest looked at each other. How did she know? Ah, uh, hello, the feathered lady said. We would love to come in, but there might be too many of us, no? The beekeeper just smiled. My house is bigger than it looks. Come in. I'll make some tea, and then we can talk. Everybody but the jinn went inside, and indeed, the house was much bigger than it looked. They settled in the cozy living room and gratefully accepted the tea and coffee the beekeeper offered. How did you know we would come? the elf asked. Why, I do read the papers, you know, the woman said, tapping on a pile of old editions of the Talkland News. Even if you live in a remote forest like I do, it's always good to keep up, she added. So, the feather lady asked, can you help us find the key to the chamber in which the prophecy is hidden? The woman smiled. I most certainly can. It's all up to you. She looked around in the group. I am the keeper of the maps, she said. And I happen to have a map in my possession that will help you find the key you are looking for. But I cannot just hand it over. She paused. Why not? Asked the sparrow that was jumping up and down to make itself heard. 
Well, the beekeeper continued, it's a magical map, and magic has its own rules. Nothing is for free. You will have to fulfill a task if you want to earn the map. What kind of task is that? asked the feathered lady. I will explain, the beekeeper said. For every map I hand out, I need to replace the magic woven into the map by weaving magic into one of those. The beekeeper indicated over to a quilt lying on the sofa near the fire. Me, myself, I only have a little magic in my hands, not enough to replace the magic. I will need your help. She looked around. I will need you to pour some of your magic into one of these. If it adds up to equal the magic that is in the map I am going to hand over to you, you will get the map. If it doesn't, I will drive you out of my forest and you should think twice of coming again. You will be banned from this wood and my house particularly. And how can we pour our magic into that quilt? The feathered lady asked and the hare jumped up and asking, I don't have magic, how can I contribute then? The others nodded. How could they ever fulfill this task? Well, the woman said, you might knit a hexapuff, you know, the adorable little honeycomb the quilt is made of. And turning toward the hare, she says, I am quite sure there is enough magic in your paws. But what if we cannot knit? asked the sparrow. Or, added the dwarf, if we can knit but do not know how to knit a puff. You can still contribute, the beekeeper said, smiling. You could make up a chart for a puff or think of a particularly pretty way to arrange puffs in order to increase the charm of the quilt. You could also think of a story to tell the people that are working on the puffs, increasing the magic that is being knitted into the puffs. These are things you can do. I will give you a week's time to fulfill this task. You can camp on my clearing. Having said this, she dismissed the group and everybody went out thinking about how they could contribute, wondering if they could succeed in getting enough magic into the beekeeper's quilt to earn the map. So that is this week's quest task. Um, there are three different ways, no, I'm sorry, four different ways that you can fulfill the task. You can either knit one or more hexapuffs um, you can keep them yourself, you can send them somebody, but you just have to take a picture of them and post them in the thread. Um, you can make up a chart for a pattern. There's a template that has been posted that I'll have linked in the show notes. Um, you could make up a design for the quilt, um, like, a you know, of how to out, outline the, the puffs so that they make something pretty. You need to draw out the design and then scan it in and post it on the thread. Or you could tell a story to um, increase the magic that we are knitting into the puffs while we're knitting. So if you don't if you don't know have the hexapuff pattern or you don't knit or you just don't want to do that, you could just tell us a story. That'd be great too. So those are the four ways that you can complete this task. You need to post whatever it is you decide to do in the thread, and you need to um, it has to be new. You you can't use a chart that you've already designed. Um, I'm going to guess that you probably shouldn't use a puff that you've already knit, so <laughs> it needs to be something new. Um, there's going to be two prizes this week. There's going to be a raffle, um, and then there's going to be one that 
where we're all going to vote on what puff or design or story we liked. So um, the test must be completed by February 20th at 6 a.m. CET, which is, I believe, Central European time. Um, and Lily Lolly will not be around that Monday, so it'll be Winter Winterfee who will be taking care of the Rathalon voting. Um, that is what's going on. And <laughs> I do want to apologize for the crazy gender change in the Jin. <laughs> I was reading it like she was a girl, and then I realized halfway through that it was a guy. So we're just going to say it was a guy with a uh, girly voice. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> and now it is time for our interview. And the interviewee this week is Lily Lalu. Okay, so this week you guys requested that I interview Lily Lalu. Um, she is our quest creator quest leader person <laughs> and um she was not able to record hers which is fine we will just read it off and uh, i'm gonna apologize right now um lily lalu is from germany and there's some german words in here and i'm gonna do my best to pronounce them but who knows how they're gonna come out so <laughs> here we go the first question is what brought you to Talkland? And Lily says, the first pattern of tiny owl knits that made it into my queue was the Woodland Hoodlet. I still haven't knit it, but I certainly will later this year. I was fairly new to Ravelry when I found that pattern and I did not use the forums. Much later, last autumn, I stumbled over both the Fawn Poncho, another not yet knitted item to be cast on this year, and the Talk Group. I immediately fell in love with both. I loved Stephanie's first post in the introduction thread. The love, warmth, and friendliness in this group is a rare and wonderful quality for an online community. Second question, aside from crafting, what's your favorite thing to do? Lily says, My godchild is very important to me, so I love to spend time with him. He is four years old and adorable. I also like sitting in cafes or in parks, drinking coffee, watching people. Unfortunately, I can also knit while do that. No, I'm sorry. Fortunately, I can also knit while doing that. Sorry. I very much like attending public viewings of soccer games, both men and women. Spain is my favorite for the guys, Japan for the women. But I guess the thing that I enjoy most is being out in the woods. And this is where Katie K asked Lily. Um, Lily Lalu speaks of how she loves to walk in the woods and collect mushrooms and herbs and berries. And Katie K asked, how did you get into that? And what's your favorite thing to find? And what do you like to make with the goodies that you find? Lily Lalu says, I am a collector. I love to collect bear's garlic and mushrooms and chestnuts, elderflowers in the spring and elderberries in the autumn, rose hips and wild strawberries and all kinds of other things. I cannot say what I like best. It started when I moved to Berlin, actually, to go into the mushrooms. Um, and here she gives me that phrase in German, which I believe is... Okay, here I go. I think it's pronounced... Indie Pilz again? Oh, that's probably horrible. I'm so sorry. Um, but that's the phrase in German to go into the mushrooms, or I think it's probably to go to the fungi, act literally. But anyway, it's a traditional thing to do in Berlin, particularly East Berlin. And now I'm back to what Lily Lalu says. Um, 
friends took me and I loved it. For me, it's always very special. I go out, have a lovely walk in the forest, and come back with my dinner in a basket. You can make so many things. You can make a very tasty coffee substitute from acorns, for example, a very good pesto from bear's garlic, and the most delicious jam from rose hips or a yummy and healthy elderberry juice. That's so cool. I didn't know any of that. I, that's a really neat thing to learn. The next question, what kind of yarns or fibers do you like? And Lily Lalu says, where to start? I am a yarn snob. I love luxury yarn. But then again, I just love fibers. Spinning has started to change my focus. I start to understand more about the different qualities of different fibers, the difference between a single and applied yarn. I would love to have a cabinet full of many different fibered samples of sheep breeds. There are so many. And then other fibers in little jars, just for reference, and to touch them every now and again. How did you learn to knit, and what sort of projects or techniques do you like the best? I cannot remember where I learned to knit, but I think it was in school. But I did not fall for knitting until about four years. Um, I think probably supposed to say four years ago. I'm not for sure on that, though. But um, She knitted a baby blanket for her godchild. That made the start. I recently started knitting bigger projects, but I usually prefer the instant gratification of smaller projects, mittens, hats, shawls, and baby stuff. I like lace and fair aisles and cables, and all in good measurement. I am not into wildly colored things, and I lack the concentration for huge Estonian or Scottish shawls. The perfect project for me is a combination of stuff I could knit walking and bits of more challenging stuff in between. Oh, and for some weird reason, I love short rows. They make me happy. What project do you have you made that you remember best? Lily says, This is a bit sad. The project that first comes to mind is a birdie mobile that I made for a close friend's baby. The baby died before it was born, and I finished the last birds for the to place the mobile on the little girl's grave. I'm very sad that I never met her alive and could not see her grow up. Next question, is there any familial importance or significance to crafting for you? I am the only serious crafter in the family, but I remember my mother knitting a sweater for me when school started. It was a school uniform gray, and it was way too big, but I loved it to pieces. If you had the chance to make something for anyone in the whole of space or time, what would you make, and who would you make it for? I guess I would knit something for my biological father. I never met him in person. I would have knitted him socks. Um, and then Badger's mama asked, Lily Lalu, what is her favorite fairy tale and why? And Lily says, this is difficult. I want to say Arabian Nights, but that would be 1001 fairy tales. Um, but really, I like the story behind, like the story of Shirazid saving her life by telling stories. I like the story of all kinds of fur. I guess I like fairy tales with clever girls in them. My favorite author is Diana Wynne-Jones. If I could write only one story as half as wondrous as her countless books, I would be infinitely proud. Um, and then at the end, I had asked her to tell us about the quest. How did you come up with the original ideas? And how do you come up with the riddles and the stories? And how long do they take you? And basically just asked her to share whatever she wanted about the quest. And Lily Lalu says, This is such a difficult question. The story and riddles and characters are very much inspired by my favorite books and tales. I really love fantasy books for readers of all ages. That's where a lot of my ideas come from. 
But then things just pop up in my mind. The idea for the quest popped up pretty early after I joined the talk group. The character of Stephanie's designs plus the character of the group somehow linked up with the part of me that loves quests and organizing quests. I asked Stephanie if she would be okay with the quest. She was, and actually donated the prizes given out so far. There will also be a very special surprise, which is not the final prize at the end of the year, but I do not want to say too much. Stephanie is such a lovely, inspiring, and generous person, and I think we all know that. I also asked Winterfee if she liked the idea and would support me. I need to say a special thank you to Winterfee at this point, because she is, she is such a great help in this. Not only did she facilitate some of the tasks, she also proofreads my stories. She is doing a very great job besides being a lovely person. So thank you, Winterfee, you rock. Really, I think the quest is my way of saying thank you to the group for being such a lovely and inspiring bunch of people. Thank you very much, Lily Lalu, for an excellent interview. I had a great time getting to know you better. I do apologize again for my terrible German pronunciation. Um, I'm sorry you guys had to hear that. Um, but thank you. And now for this week's limerick brought to us by Badger's Mama. This week's limerick is in honor of the quest and of Lily Lalu being our um, interviewee. So... Lily Lalu invented a quest to brighten this little bird's nest. So sweet and so kind, she enlivens my mind so much I'm becoming obsessed. Thank you. Thank you very much, Badger's Mama, and I look forward to seeing everyone back next week. Um, next week, uh, not next week, but the week after that. I'm sorry, I'm getting my dates mixed up. But on the 29th, it'll be um, Leap Day. And in honor of having an episode on Leap Day, there will be something extra super special. So um, I just want to let everyone know ahead of time, get excited, um, not next week, but the week after, there's going to be super duper special edition of the News Nest. So see you guys next week. Bye. Hey Ellie's, this is Sparrow. Um, I have a couple of things that I need to add to the end of this episode. I'm sorry, they're just kind of tacked on to the end here, but um, a few things happened right after I recorded and it's late enough now that I need to be putting it on the internet so I don't have time to go back and edit this into the original body. But um, a couple of threads that I wanted to point out. Um, there is a new swap that is getting started now that the Valentine's Day swap is over. Looks like we're going to be having a spring swap. It's called the Talk Ali Super Spring Swap. People are already starting to sign up, so if you would like to be a part of that, I'll have the thread linked in the show notes and you can um, join into all the swapping fun. And another thing I wanted to point out, um, Sadujin has started a thread for anyone who needs help with the Mr. Fox pattern or the mini Mr. Fox pattern. Um, there was quite a few threads popping up of people who were having, you know, questions about it. So she has whooshed all of the threads into one. So if you have any, if you're doing the Mr. Fox and you have any questions or you would like to see who else is knitting it, there is the thread. It's called the, let me make sure I say this right, it's called the Tally Ho Need Help with Foxes thread. I'll have it linked as well. And so those are the two things I wanted to add to the end. And see you guys next week. Bye.